0: Got to give a quick shout out to Meredith. So she was wearing yellow and black, if you couldn't tell. And I was like, wow, you have bee vibes. She was like, just wait for children's time. So uh, super fun. Will you all join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the sixth grade... I had a science teacher by the name of Mrs. Maxwell. I've shared a little bit about my childhood with you all before, but I may have downplayed what bad behavior I had, especially in middle school. I was often the one in trouble for talking to my friends, making disruptions in the lunchroom and for not always being the most respectful to my teachers. I have a lot of regret for the ways I acted in middle school. I was too busy trying to be cool, and I was so absorbed with myself that I didn't always take others into consideration, especially the adults around me. Now, after hearing that insight into middle school Stephanie, It should come as no surprise that one day in science class, in Miss Maxwell's class, I was talking to my friend in the middle of the class. This was, however, one of the rare times we were actually talking about what we were learning though, sort of. Mrs. Maxwell was at the front of the classroom and she was teaching about clouds. She was listing all the different types of clouds and how different clouds signify different weather patterns, I was telling my friend that I didn't understand anything she was saying. I was like, these pictures in our textbooks are clip art. How am I ever supposed to match clip art with clouds in the sky outside? At the end of that question to my friend, Miss Maxwell stopped the lesson. She stopped the entire classroom and told me that I needed to go outside into the hall. As I waited in the hallway, I started to think of excuses I could give as to why I was talking. I started thinking of ways that I could get out of this impending trouble I was clearly in. But the fact that I was already in the hallway didn't bode well for my future. It felt like forever as I waited and waited. Finally, Ms. Maxwell stepped out into the hall, and she told me to follow her. No teacher had ever walked me straight to the principal's office before. I must have finally crossed the line. But I was startled to see that Ms. Maxwell didn't turn toward the principal's office. Instead, she turned to the two double doors at the end of the hallway that led outside. As I followed Ms. Maxwell through the doors, she looked up at the sky and started pointing different clouds out to me to show me the different types in real life. We were only outside for one minute at the most. She didn't neglect the rest of the class, I promise. And then we walked inside back to class and continued learning about clouds. Mrs. Maxwell took time to teach me even when I did not deserve it, even when I interrupted the entire class, even when I probably should have been sent to the principal's office. Ms. Maxwell took time to teach me in a way that stayed with me, even all of these years later. Throughout his time on earth, Jesus was known for a lot of things. Jesus was known from where he was from. He was often referred to as Jesus of Nazareth. A few weeks ago, we heard a story of when Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth and taught. Jesus was known for the unimaginable acts he could do, and he was called healer. We talked about some of those first healings last week. Jesus was also well-known for being a teacher. Throughout the Gospels, the label teacher is given to Jesus. And it's actually in the Gospel of Luke, the readings we've been focusing on, where Jesus is called teacher the most times, 15. When many of us think of Jesus, we of course think of the big things, the resurrection, the miracles, the healings, we also probably think of those parables and the many words Jesus spoke as he taught the communities around him. Even today, we continue to call Jesus our teacher. We are still learning things from what Jesus taught. During Lent, as we've read these first five chapters of Luke together, we've heard how crowds of people began following Jesus wherever he went. The people were yearning for what Jesus could offer them. One of Jesus's most famous of teachings is often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, and it's found in the Gospel of Matthew. That's where the Beatitudes come from. In Luke's gospel, we get beatitudes too, but instead of a mountain, they're done on a plain. Jesus does go up on a mountain in Matthew. It's there, he's surrounded by his disciples and he chooses 12 to be his apostles. But Jesus doesn't stay on that mountain to preach down to the people who have swarmed, who have gathered to hear him. Instead, Jesus comes down to the people. Our first scripture reading will be from that sixth chapter of Matthew, verses 17 through 19. Jesus came down with him and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him. And to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch Jesus, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Jesus doesn't stay on the mountain, Jesus doesn't stay above the people looking down to teach. Instead, Jesus comes down and joins them. He gets on the same level as them. I get the irony, me being up here right now and not down there, just need to tell you that. Okay, I didn't tell you earlier that Ms. Maxwell was a good teacher for me in sixth grade because she took me outside and did something cool. Although that did leave quite the impression. Ms. Maxwell was a good teacher because she met me where I was. She learned about me and found a way to connect with me and to find a way to connect the material with me in a way that I understood. Mrs. Maxwell taught on my level. Jesus knows that he is bringing a really tough message to the people. He is going to ruffle feathers with the words he has to say. And we know here, because we have the full story, that Jesus has already ruffled feathers. Remember a few weeks ago when Jesus was in Nazareth, his hometown, and the people were so impressed with the words he said and Jesus's growth, and then they chased him out of town. Because what he was saying was really too hard for them to follow. While here in modern worship, we talk a lot about love and compassion, that love and compassion that Jesus taught, Jesus didn't always have messages that were well-received. The way Jesus often taught about love and compassion was in an upside-down way from the rest of the world. The people weren't always receptive. And in Luke's gospel... We see that Jesus doesn't preach down to the people, but that Jesus literally gets on their level to teach. He begins with what we call the Beatitudes. We're going to read just that first part right now, Luke 6, 20 through 26. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, "'Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God.'" but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This kind of tone lasts throughout Jesus's sermon on the plain. They are challenging words. Jesus doesn't sugarcoat the message or make them seem whimsical. Instead, Jesus brings a hard truth to the people. During the Lenten season here, we have been focusing our energy on community. We've considered how a community, particularly this community, can ready our hearts during the season of preparation and reflection and introspection. We're going to read a few more passages from Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. But before we do, it's important for all of us to realize that Jesus here is laying a framework for how to live with others as followers of Christ. And what Jesus is laying out is radical. Jesus is pushing people outside of their comfort zones. He's telling them that Jesus, he has come to turn the world upside down. All the things that society and culture has told them to value, things like wealth and power and popularity, Jesus is saying all of those things are nothing to God. Jesus is insinuating that we cannot earn our way to receive God's grace. And when we become people who are more concerned with wealth and power and popularity, that in those moments, we aren't choosing the way of God. While this sermon was spoken to a very specific audience, it still holds true for us today. Because those people, the people who came together to gather on the plain, they came from a number of different places. It is believed that the crowd was made up of Jewish people and Gentiles. They were not all of one mind. They didn't all hold the same beliefs. Yet, they were all drawn to Jesus. They were all similar in their desire to be healed and to be taught. In this room, we don't all come from the same place. We don't have the same stories. We don't have the same backgrounds. We may even have varying beliefs. And still, we too are drawn to Jesus. That's why we're here. We're drawn to the radical way Jesus pushed people to challenge themselves and to challenge the culture around them. While we are different from one another through Jesus, we are a community. We are a community of believers on the same playing field. We're on level ground because we are here together. We're all trying to learn more about Jesus. And we are, I hope, trying to love the world like Jesus did. This Sermon on the Plain continues on past the Beatitudes. Jesus continues to challenge the people, though. I'm going to skip around a little bit from these teachings because the entire Sermon on the Plain is 30 verses, which is a lot for us to read here together. I will note Matthew's version is way, way longer, so thanks, Luke. But uh, we're still gonna hop around. We're gonna read Luke 6:31 and then verses 35 through 37. And like always, I encourage you all to read the full picture when you get home or later this week. Hear these words: Do to others as you would have them do to you, the golden rule right there on the Sermon on the Plain. Then we'll continue in 35. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And if we can't get challenging enough, here comes some more. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. Jesus again pushes against our instincts. He challenged the people then and he challenges us now to treat others as we would like to be treated, to be merciful, to not judge to forgive. Each of these things we talked about are what are supposed to be hallmarks of who we are as followers of Christ. This Sermon on the plane truly does give us a framework of how we are expected to live our lives out in the world. It's a framework for who we are as a community of believers. Jesus ends this teaching his teachings on the plane with a number of different parables a lot of them are probably familiar parables parables are stories or things jesus is used jesus uses as illustrations jesus talks about not worrying about the speck in your neighbor's eye until you take the log out of your own eye i see some nods we've heard these before Another parable he mentions is how good trees don't produce bad fruit and vice versa. And Jesus ends with that parable that I learned as a child about the men who were building houses. And one man builds his house on a solid, firm foundation and it survives through storms and waves. And then another man who doesn't build with a foundation. And when the waves come, the house crashes. Jesus uses each parable to give real-life examples of what he is teaching. Jesus, once again, literally meets the people on the plane. He's there physically, and then with these parables, he illustrates what it looks like, what what he teaching actually looks like out in the world. Jesus doesn't just throw these concepts out and hope that the people catch on to them. Instead, he uses parables with his words. Jesus paints these pictures in order to give real examples of what living this way looks like out in the world. My science teacher, Mrs. Maxwell, was not fully human and fully divine. Mrs. Maxwell was not Jesus. She was a straight-up human being, just like the rest of us. But Ms. Maxwell didn't teach me concepts from a book. Instead, she took time to show me how those concepts looked out in the world, or in this instance, up in the sky. Ms. Maxwell was a good teacher. Lucky for us, Jesus is our good teacher He gives us hard, challenging charges, and then shows us practical examples of them. As a community, we have a lot to learn from Jesus's words. We have a lot to learn from the parables and the ways that Jesus lived out his life. In what ways are we meeting people on a level plane? What are those moments in our lives that separate us from others? How can we instead meet others where they are? We each have things to teach one another, and we also have things to learn from one another. Jesus lays the framework for how to live our lives in the Sermon on the Plain, but we have to be the ones that take that first step. We have to meet people, too, where they are, just as we'd expect others to meet us where we are. Jesus challenges us to live in a radical way, in a way that lifts up the poor and the hungry and the sad. Jesus challenges us to live in a radical way where we love our enemies and where we do to others as we would have them do to us. Jesus challenges us to live in a radical way where we love others without expecting anything else in return, where we forgive every single time, where we withhold judgment of others. We can only do any of these things when we are open to learning, when we are open to growing, We can only do these things when we are in a community that holds those same values and where we're willing to meet one another right where we are. Our challenge this week is to keep these beatitudes, to keep this sermon on the plane at the center of our hearts, and to look for ways we can teach and be taught by those around us. We can't follow all of these challenging words by ourselves. We can only do so with God by our side and with a community surrounding us.